welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my co-hosts... Carol. Matt. Mel. And we're just a bunch of feral cats. No! <laughs> Not Matt. Were... Matt's a raccoon. We're just shitting, <laughs> shitting all over the house. <laughs> they weren't feral. They were just untrained. They were just plentiful. And plentiful, yes. It was just a bunch of hoarder cats. That's this was happens. an episode of Hoarders, wasn't it, that we watched? That's what happens if you don't take care of your house. Cats, like, spontaneously uh, appear. They just, like, appear into existence from out of nowhere. And, they, well, overt- <clears throat> and they overtake your home. My so first- you're saying if I, don't, if I don't vacuum, that cats will suddenly appear? Yep, yep. <laughs> One of my first notes is just maybe, maybe clean up a little. Just, you know, a, a light sweeping. They just didn't know put how. Some of that, put privileged. some of that trash. <laughs> privileged people don't clean. That's true. Well, we'll get into that, because uh, we're here to talk about Grey Gardens, the HBO TV movie. But first, I've got some network news. Remember when we talked about Lovecraft Country, the upcoming television show, uh, supernatural show mixed with uh, like Jim Crow era racism? Well, I read the book that's, uh, that the show's going to be based on, and I quite enjoyed it. Oh. And it read like a, a TV show, too, because each chapter was from the perspective of a different character. And they had like a little bit of a through line. And then the last chapter kind of brought all the characters together and kind of felt like a season finale chapter. So I can, reading this book, I could see how adaptable it would be and how much, how much fun it's going to be. Oh, good. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, Speaking of new upcoming shows, there was an announcement this week that, HBO has given a direct-to-series order for a new Joss Whedon show called The Nevers, which is a sci-fi epic about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. And he will serve as writer, director, executive producer, and showrunner. Is that not Buffy? Buffy? (laughs) (laughs) But it's Victorian. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is a, you know, different setting. Uh... Also doing a Buffy reboot. So. But you know, between this show and Lovecraft Country, which is supernatural, and Watchmen, which is superhero, they've got three shows that sound so similar in mm. in the genre of, of the sci-fi yeah. genre. I mean, so very un- unusual in that regard. Uh, Joss yeah. Whedon says, I honestly couldn't be more excited. The Nevers is maybe the most ambitious narrative I've created, and I can't imagine a better home for it than HBO. Not only are they the masters of cinematic long form, but their instant understanding of my odd, intimate epic was as emotional as it was incisive. It's been too long since I created an entirely new fictional world, and the HBO team could not just uh, the HBO team offers not just scope and experience, not just prestige, but a passionate collaboration. I could go on, but I am patiently uh, I, I'm patiently grateful to say I have work to do. <laughs> okay, hmm. good for him. Good for Joss. Yeah. Hmm. Because I don't follow any of the uh, Marvel movies, adventure movies that he directed. So for me, the last thing that was relevant from him was really Dollhouse, which I came to late. So I guess Firefly. Firefly, Dollhouse. I, I was not a big fan of Dollhouse. I um, I was a big fan of pretty much everything else that I've seen of his, but Dollhouse was not my favorite. Um, it not was better at the end than the beginning, yeah. Yeah, so much untapped potential there, though. I I wish it had had another season. It's like it finally figured itself out toward the end. Yeah, but my feeling was that the major flaw of it 
was that Joss Whedon writes ensemble pieces. And that show was, was imagined as a star vehicle. And it just, it, it had many, many flaws because of that. And, uh, that's one reason I, when I saw this announcement, I was glad I was like, okay, sounds like an ensemble thing. You know, Joss Whedon's very good at ensemble. That's why he did a, you know, that's why he was good at the Avengers one, Avengers two, uh, which were the only ones that he directed, by the way. Um, he didn't do the third one. No. Ah, okay. All right. He just did Avengers one, Avengers two, which my son and I were just having a talk about the other day. And he was saying that a lot of people were like, eh, Avengers one wasn't all that good. But I mean, I thought it did what it needed to do. And I thought it was very good for the time because it hadn't really been done yet. I mean, they, he brought together a whole bunch of people, huge characters, and uh, had to balance them all. And that hadn't been done too well up until that point. I mean, you know, there were lots of, you know, there were good movies and everything, but it was it was a project, and he did it pretty well. And then and then they kept the ball rolling from there. So, well, I'm glad he's back on television. Yeah, uh, me too. He has a unique style that uh, I, I'm. It appeals to me. So, uh, Game of Thrones prequel may start filming in Belfast in October. Mm. It is set ten thousand years before the hit HBO series. That's quite, what? That's quite the prequel. That's insane. Why yes. bother? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the pilot order describes the series as revealing the world's descendant from the golden age of heroes into its darkest hour, and only one thing is for sure: from the horrifying secrets of Westeros' history to the true origin of the White Walkers. The mysteries of the East to the Starks of legend. It is not the story we think we know. I think that might be interesting, though. Could be. It's one of five prequel sh- shows that in development. Why? Okay, that's okay. So no. one one no. was shelved, but George R. R. Martin said that uh, at least three more prequels set in different periods and featuring different characters and storylines remain in active development. Wow! I gotta stop. Wow! Gonna franchise gotta... that. Franchise it. People have to stop because it's exhausting. Like, I can't. I can't. Like, you can't. I can't. I just, everybody, just that I, everybody that I talk to is sick of Star Wars, of Marvel, of everything. Mm. Like, you have to be a super fan, basically, to be, like, following everything. Well, maybe it'll be like comics where you follow maybe one or two, but you don't have to follow everything. But I don't like to follow one or two. I like a variety of stories. Uh, well, yeah. I, I have no idea how these are going to play out, but um, I, I when I tried getting into comics when I was a, a teenager and I was like picking up issues of X-Men, uh, there were like three or four different X-Men lines, like books, like with different casts, basically, and like Ultimate X-Men and Uncanny X-Men and, and Extreme X-Men. There's so many X-Mens and then they cross over and you know, they're like, well, I gotta buy like 20 different books. Like, this is too expensive. It's too much. That, it's too much. The other, it's the it's an investment uh, for your money, for your t- time. You know, it's a scheme. Every, it's a scheme. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. They're yeah. taking advantage of people's uh, fondness for these these storylines. You know, and I it's milking it. I just I can't imagine anyone getting into any of these prequels with the enthusiasm they did for the original show, but. <coughs> I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, just like I remember the Battlestar prequel was not well received and canceled after a season. So a lot of this uh, might be coming from HBO's new parent company, AT&T. Uh, here's a little article. 
Change is coming to HBO now that it's part of the AT&T corporate family. That much was clear to the 150 employees who attended a recent town hall meeting at the network's headquarters in Midtown Manhattan. The main speaker was John Stanky, a longtime AT&T executive, Stanky, who now <laughs> oversees HBO in his new role as chief executive of Warner Media. Mr. Stanky never uttered the word Netflix, but he did suggest that HBO would have to become more like the streaming giant to thrive in the new media landscape. We need hours a day, Mr. Stanky said, referring to the time viewers spend watching HBO programs. Not hours a week, not hours a month, hours a day. You are competing with devices that sit in people's hands that capture their attention every 15 minutes. I want more hours of engagement. Why are more hours of engagement important? Because you get more data and information about a customer that allows you to do things like monetize through alternate models of advertising, as well as subscriptions, which we think are very important in tomorrow's world. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, 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 many, sell. so many subscriptions, more programming, yeah. more programming. Yeah. You know, the th when you had mentioned about the Battlestar prequel, I mean, that was that was a forced thing. They they had um, that story had been not attached to Battlestar at all. Oh, yes, I, then, I do remember that. And then they forced it into the other. And I think that's one of the problems. If they try and, you know, just shave things off to fit into a hole that it wasn't meant to fit into. It usually has some problems, um, but I, I don't know. I have mixed emotions. I like to see original stuff, but I have been enjoying the Marvel, Marvel, Marvel universe. Um, I like the Marvel not, universe. The Marvel universe could be fun, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not a big comic book person at all. Um, I've tried, but it just and I've definitely haven't been a big superhero fan at all uh and yet i enjoy the movies i guess well, because they're new to me so it's you know it's kind of like a new story and and you know they do go with different ones it's not quite like the comic books like you were saying where it's just they inundate you with you know you've got to buy you know you end up buying 12 a week just to figure out what's going on in the, well, in the world. Well, they have subscriptions for that now, too, so... Yeah, that, that's just crazy. Yeah, <laughs> comic subscriptions, like like digital, you mean? Like, um... Yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. going back to this AT&T thing, uh, someone said online that HBO is profitable for their parent company, and to make it more like Netflix, which isn't making a profit, is an interesting tactic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Because Netflix just wants to be a behemoth and they invest, invest, invest uh, venture capital in to try and be everywhere and in all markets. And that's just never been HBO's model. They just, when they want create a show, they, they hope you tune in <laughs> and stay subscribing. But like right now, there's like nothing on the network that I would want. So I would probably cancel my subscription if I was a subscriber. And I'm sure they're thinking we need more than just one show at a time to retain subscribe you know subscribers we need to have like three things going but they probably it sounds like they want more than that thing is we're also pressed you know like stress stretch for time in our viewing there's too many things oh, and a lot to have someone go you know we really need more content <laughs> like you don't you don't you're fine you're making a profit and you're getting awards and acclaim you're fine you don't have to get any more blood from that stone <laughs> please stop yeah Bring back Carnival. Uh, the, That's what I would have said. You should have read <laughs> Anyway. I think they're looking down the road and they're worried about being squeezed out if they don't, you know, 
if they don't compete. Yeah, possibly. There's anyway. That's all I have for network news. We uh, we're gonna any any more dead Deadwood news? Um, just a comment from Robin Weigert who said it was filming in the fall. Mm. So seems probable. But see, that's what they could do. They could get Milch to write another Deadwood show with a different kind of cast of characters. It have mm. to be. It could be set in the same time period in the same world, but make it. Make it different enough that when you watch it, you're like, I'm enjoying this on its own terms. I'm not missing that other thing. That's that's the challenge. So, boys, now, explain to me exactly how would this work. Is there a script? I'm a very quick study. Are you the director then, David? Well, no, no script, uh, no director. It's a documentary. You just do what you do, and we just stay in the background. Yeah, just artists making a film about artists. Well, we've always been mad about the movies. Gigi with Leslie Caron. Oh, marvelous. Did you ever see that? Of course. Well, it all sounds terribly exciting. And I assume we'll share in the profits. Well, to, to be honest, the, the words uh, documentary and profit don't usually end up in the same sentence. That's never been one about us. Someone has to summarize Grey Gardens in a minute without going over. All right. And I'm going to tell you who that person is as soon as I bring up this handy app on my phone. Well, I know it's not going to be me. Who's it going to be? It's going to be Matt. Matthew, you have a minute to summarize this uh, television movie. Are you up for the challenge? He's gone suspiciously, suspiciously silent. Yeah, I think we lost him. He heard his name, and that was the end of that. Yes. He's like, I, I don't want to do the 60-second plot summary. I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> My computer just blue screen of death. Boy, convenient. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> Very convenient. Hmm. I can, uh, I can practice my accent in the meantime. East Hampton's a mean Republican town. The mean, nasty Republican town. Got mm, a little bit going on there. Trying. I have to like re- yeah. recap. I, I was really in the zone last night when I watched it. Now I now I've like I've lost it. Yeah, I I must admit I, I did keep hearing Jackie Kennedy in my head when they were talking. It was like, yeah, okay, this accent makes sense. I did a little uh, searching around for Gray Gardens and so forth and. What was going on with it now? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was just sold actually this past March apparently, or this past December I guess, for uh, fifteen million dollars. Um, it had been owned by the same people who bought it after uh, after Little Edie sold it, and uh, they had restored it, and now the people have uh, are supposed to be restoring it again, and. Uh, but they're a little nervous about how they're restoring it because uh, they apparently took down the porch and are propping it up mm. and and putting a basement underneath it and stuff. And so there were some pictures and things. <laughs> hmm. Here's a, an article from the New York Times. Comic book publishers faced with flagging sales look to streaming. Comic book publishers are facing a growing crisis, flagging interest from readers and competition from digital entertainment, dragging down sales. Oh. 
hoping to reverse the trend, publishers are creating their own digital platforms to directly connect with readers and encourage more engagement from fans. What year is this? This is recent. This is today. We already have subscription services that are digital. Yeah. The goal is to like- reach readers who may not live near a comic book shop but want to keep up with the Avengers and the Justice League. Experts say the direct-to-consumer model also help compete with streaming services like Netflix and Amazon's Prime Video. That Marvel Unlimited, that's what it's called. It's a all-you-can-read subscription service. I, and you can okay. buy and you can buy comics, digital versions a la carte. What are they? What are they talking about? I don't know. I mean, it sounds. Uh, I I hadn't really not that I've even tried to follow any of this stuff. I had not heard of a you know all you can read sort of subscription. But um, you know, okay, I I guess I can if that's new. But the, it didn't seem like it was new. It's not new. No. The Marvel Unlimited app uh, has a nice back catalog of issues, but it doesn't go all the way back. It doesn't have everything. So, I mean, it needs to be a little more, more robust. And I don't know how they go about scanning the comics' old issues into the app. Because one uh-huh. nice thing that it does is if you don't have a, a tablet that can display the entire page, you can see one panel at a time, and it and it will, as you advance through it, like kind of zoom in and out when it needs to and like pan left right up down and it makes oh, it's very dynamic okay. in that sense um yeah but i would assume that takes extra programming it's more than just putting a page on a scanner hitting scan you have to do some work to make it fit into your platform if you're doing that kind of uh-huh. like flashiness to it but I, I when i had a trial i was looking for particular issues of comics and i couldn't find them and they had like thousands and thousands of comics, but not the one I was looking for. Right. Whatever it was, I don't even recall. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let me try adding that back. Hello. Hi. Huh? Hello. Hello. Ding ding. Boy, it's a musical episode. <laughs> a soft right, shoe. So, so our. Our computer saved us from doing the 60-second summary. I assume, so what happened? It's, I assume oh, it's done now. you assume so, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, you I assume incorrectly. I would never such a thing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, thought I, I, must, I assume my computer was trying to save me. Mm-hmm. Well, it may have been trying, but it failed. So you have to do it, Matt? Do I have to do it? Yes, you do. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you have one minute to offer as much detail about this movie as possible. If you go over a minute, you lose. If you go ridiculously under, you are a East Hampton nasty Republican chump. No. Anything but that. And you'll be going, <laughs> Matt, on in three, two, one, go. Um, there's a documentary crew, and they're talking to a couple crazy ladies. Uh, old, uh, what do you call them? Spinsters? Spins like the people who never marry? <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, you find out their story. They're just rich folks who, uh, decided to stay home all day. And <laughs> then, then their money, their money ran out and they were used to the, the, the rich way of life and they never lifted a finger and they continued to not lift any fingers. And then their house started falling around them and... Uh, then Jackie Kennedy had to come in because they're bad for her image and fix up the place. 
and then uh, yeah, they continued not doing anything, <laughs> <laughs> letting their lives pass them by. I'm done. <laughs> One minute on the dot. What? Wow! It's the second time I did that. <laughs> And you you wanted to get out of doing it. Then you wouldn't have been a hero. You're a hero. Yay. Hero. Yay. (laughs) Do we get music for that? Like, (laughs) (laughs) does it matter that uh, one of them was not a spinster? Uh, I forget. Yeah. After I said it, I was like, oh, wait, one of them was married at one point. We have a cat that wants to come Mm -hmm. in. (laughs) Oh, everybody bring your cats in. Get in here, Briscoe. Mine is still dead. So. Oh. Yeah. Maybe Briscoe will join us on the podcast. <laughs> I should just put like cat sounds like and as a separate audio track like underneath this entire podcast. <laughs> you may not need to. That doesn't sound like I need to. Yeah. <laughs> My cat's I think under the bed. Though he I just got him a new um scratching post that it's like two posts with a hammock between them and he loves oh. his hammock. Oh, cool. Loves it. That sounds great. Ow, Briscoe! Ow! <laughs> boy. boy, oh boy! He's mad at you. <laughs> okay, so how many have seen the documentary or part of the documentary? I saw part of it, and I had to turn it off because it was too annoying much, you? too much yelling and talking over each other. They were much less annoying in this retelling of the because they didn't. Yeah, they didn't interrupt each other, or, like, that's one of my pet peeves, is when you go visit relatives of your, like, it's always a relative for some reason, and they always do this, they they talk over each other as if the other person isn't talking, and you don't know where to look mm-hmm. to listen to, who are you, who am I listening to, and it just gets confusing, and I hate it, <laughs> so yeah, so I just got, was like, after, like, an hour of watching that, I was like, I think I get the idea, mm-hmm. I'm gonna turn this off now. <laughs> the documentary doesn't have like a real through line in terms of like a plot or anything. It is very much um what's the style? I, I was told to watch Yeah, I was told to watch it by one of my friends cuz she's like it's just it's just there's something about it. It's really charming. And I was like, yeah, I, I can see that, but it's also annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I did not know, watch charming, any of it. Charming can be annoying <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> it's a this is a cult Film or the documentary is a cult film. Yeah. Why? Uh, and I I don't know why, but at the end of the of this movie, and you see uh, little Edie doing her cabaret act. Um, is the audience all men? Are they all gay men? I think there's really? something about uh, the gay culture and this documentary, like some sort of connection. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm gonna type it in. I hope I'm not offending offending anyone by saying that. Am I assuming too much? I have no idea. Oh, here. This is an article from Queer Tea. What is it about the gays in Grey Gardens? See, I didn't pull that out of my ass. That's that's actually <laughs> a thing. Mm. In a society that says a woman's role is to marry and have kids and take care of the home, flagrantly rejecting all those social imperatives and still remaining independent is a pretty fabulous fuck you to the status quo. Is Yeah, but was that a choice she made or is she just like uh, a scaredy cat? Who, did, who got her heart broken once and then never tried again. Yeah, I'm not sure that in real life it was necessarily, you know, one guy. But, um, I mean, the way this was presented, definitely mm-hmm. it it was a retreat from the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
she made a choice early, you know, before she retreated, she, she made it, you know, she was definitely making a choice of not going after marriage with the right kind of guy. Mm. But then when that didn't work out, she just retreated. Yeah. Initially she told him, you're just a fling. Don't get attached to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the tables were turned when he broke it off. It's like, you're ruining my marriage. Why did anyone, or yeah, why does anyone think it's a good idea to get involved with a married man? (laughs) Because it's like, it's non-committal in a Mm. way, you know. There's something about that you don't have to commit, because she wanted to commit herself to her career. Yeah. So she was, but she was still hoping that he would stick around so that she could still, she knew he was married. Don't you feel bad at all? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just you yeah it's not it's it's a person that can be there and you it, don't have to commit yourself fully to them yeah. it's just partially yeah. her her career her career was a non-starter <laughs> I, I i think this is the part of um of the privileged background where she just kind of expected to assumed be she assumes be. she'd be successful like i dance at parties and and mother says i'm fabulous so i yeah. should be able to to just go to New York and be on the stage. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is, I mean, she had enough chutzpah that, you know, the way the story was presented, she might've made it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes if you have just enough total confidence in yourself, you can make other people like, like when the guy said, Oh, you're funnier than, than uh, Billy Holiday, oh, uh, Judy, Judy Holiday. Judy yeah. Holiday. And, you know, he might very well have thought that very thing. Like, yeah, I could do something with this girl, you yeah. know. Um, and and other people may have felt the same way. It's it's really hard to to judge stuff like that. I mean, you look at some people who have made huge careers and you say, huh? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. But, you know, they they were able to pull something off other people couldn't. And who knows if she'd had the the courage to follow through, she might have, you know, might have actually worked. And clearly, she didn't have the support of either of her parents. Her father no. was disapproving, and her mother, I don't know, didn't want her to be a, her to eclipse her, or just was so I think codependent that she just can't can't leave. That was more it. I think her mother just wanted uh, wanted to make sure that there would be someone in her life with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and you may be right about the eclipsing thing at the beginning, and then you know do something that her mother hadn't done. But uh, and she never actively oh. sabotaged her. It was just more like putting in like little seeds of doubt of like you're you know yeah, which is was, which was probably enough, the which is enough to un- yeah completely derail yeah. her. I, yeah, and it's and it's the last thing. <laughs> if all she had going for her really was confidence and and. Uh, and as I said before, chutzpah, then the last thing she needed was somebody telling her that she couldn't do it and wasn't good enough because that's, you know, she had nothing else to, to really go on, or at least it seemed like it. Who knows? What did we think of uh, Drew Barrymore as the, the person? As Little Edie? As Little Edie. I love her as Little Edie. I thought she did a good job, yeah. I think yeah. If, if anyone ever questions if she's a good actress or not, like I've always said watch this movie because she is great in this part. I I I think Drew Barrymore also has that 
look of like an old movie star, you know, and it might be part of it is because her whole family is kind of like, you know, old Hollywood anyways, but I don't know. She just has that, that look. It's kind of a classic. Mm. Yeah. I thought she did a great job. I thought all the performances were really good in it. Yeah. It was something very different for Drew Barrymore. I mean, it's not, not something that I've certainly ever seen her, her do. And, um, you know, she was able to, she was able to, to, to be, she did have a lot of layers in this thing. She was able to, to appear cheerful in that, you know, like I, that kind of trained to be cheerful way. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a certain society thing where you're, you know, you're supposed to always remain, you know, everything is fine. Everything is great. And, uh, she had that going on and she actually seemed to kind of believe it at the same time. It was, I thought it was a really interesting performance. So is that where all the delusions came from, from even the, the mother? Like, you know, she, she was kind of deluding herself about her relationship with the music teacher. Oh yeah. There was delusion all over the place. Yeah. 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 And like, yeah. Oh yeah. This house is not, terrible it's great what are you talking about why are you is it bad that i get like a perverse pleasure out of when when you tell somebody something's going to happen and that they're going to regret something and they ignore you and then it happens and they're all confused that i love that (laughs) 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 you're going to run out of money you're going to run out of money you need to sell no that's okay hey we're out of money what what happened (laughs) (laughs) his wife got all of it buddy every cent Most of it, yes. What little father did leave you was put into a trust. What's that supposed to mean? That I'm not responsible enough to manage it myself? Who oversees this trust? Buddy and I are the trustees. Oh, then you can contest the will. There's there's not that much there, Mother, and uh, frankly, lawyer's fees would just eat it all up. But uh, don't worry, you and Edie will continue to receive your monthly stipend. That barely covers the groceries and the long-distance bill. He's had me living on $150 a month for the last 10 years. If we increase your allowance, your money will just run out that much sooner. Which is why Buddy and I have found a nice place in Marco Island that you could afford if you were to sell Grey Gardens. I'd love to move to a hot little island. Someone's finally singing my song. No more horrid winters. Yeah, and there wouldn't be nearly the upkeep this place requires. What do you say? It would be good for your back, mother darling. Your arthritis isn't getting any better. You could get a, a place all on one level. No stairs to climb. I could work on my nightclub routine. You could even afford to hire some help, mother. We've worked it all out. Maybe travel or meet somebody. Oh. <laughs> I'm not selling Grey Gardens chickens. Are you sure you don't want to spend the night here? It's such a, a long drive back to Glen Cove. You're not understanding. Your trust won't last forever, and we can't afford to fix this place up for you. All you have to do is sign this power of attorney form. We'll take care of everything. Grey Gardens is in my name. It always has been. That's not going to change. 
The only way I'm ever leaving Grey Gardens is feet first. Her fucking sons, where the where were they? <laughs> well, they said they couldn't afford to pay for her. Yeah, but there's... Uh, where, where the there's... fuck were they? Because their mother sorry, is living in squalor. What? Oh, are, yeah, like, where, where are yeah, you? Yeah, but you can't, you can't rip her out of there. She doesn't want to leave. Yeah. So what are you going to do? And they can't afford to fix it up. Yeah. Mm. But what I'm sorry. Trying to get power could, of attorney and there's, move her there's to There's a lot of stuff in between they could have done. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in between just leaving it the way it is, washing their hands of the whole thing, and, you know, forcing her out. Because forcing her out, who knows whether it would have, you know, killed her a lot earlier or what. Because, unfortunately, I have dealt with an older woman who has specifically said, um, you're going to have to take me out of this place in a box. Yeah. And it's not fun at no. all. No, it's not. But at the same time, you know, there's uh, there are other things. I mean, they could have had somebody come in with a shovel every so often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you get to that point. Like, do you not see things falling around, falling down around you? Like, I can under kind of understand her mother letting it get to that point, but her as well. Well, she seemed to be more. She seemed to be more sensible than her mother in like a lot of ways. So, but that seemed to be the de- the delusion and everything. I mean, it it does happen, you know, like slowly. And there was a point when, again, I thought Drew Barrymore did a really nice job of. Um, there was a point when she looked around the house, and you got the feeling that she suddenly saw it through well, somebody that, else's well, eyes was, from. Yeah, that was the first time she got back from New mm-hmm. York. Yeah, there was like mm-hmm. one little like tiny stack of newspapers and she was like, yeah. this place is a mess. And I yeah, wrote, no, well, I wrote down, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was that, but there was later on, I think it was when the uh, photographer, when they invited the photographer in and the photographer took the pictures and they were obviously, you know, kind of delusional and all. And then there was a moment when she looked back around the room and it was like she was seeing it and then she closed it down and and like stopped herself. Right. It was, you know, it was just a, so a look well, around. It's a survival mechanism. It's uh-huh. like too. I mean, if- your, yeah, it's like you're turning yourself off to stop mm-hmm. yourself from going insane. But that mm-hmm. makes you insane in the process <laughs> because you're turning mm-hmm. a blind eye to reality. That's yeah, called coping. She's just uh, yeah. trying to cope. Yeah, yeah you can yeah. you can just you really can get to the point where you just don't see things. Yeah. Um where it becomes your norm and you don't see it and the way that everybody who entered the house would immediately put uh something up to their mouths and nose because mm-hmm. of the smell but mm-hmm. you know the two women were just like they just didn't smell it, you know. Yeah, they had there was no problem. Acclimated to it. Uh-huh. But just, I mean, if their sons had visited, her sons had visited, like Jackie does, and looked uh-huh. around and said, this is a pigsty. I'm just going to pay for somebody, so some people to come in, clean it up, put a fresh coat of paint on it, cover up that pat, cat piss smell, and just make it sanitary. Like, it should not have taken a photographer for a newspaper to, to take those photos for... Jackie Kennedy to come by. Her, where uh-huh. are her sons? I don't understand. They're uh-huh. all, they are awful. 
I don't know yeah, anything about I, them, but I am proclaiming them awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I did not look up that was on my list to look up. It was like, what happened with the sons? Um, I mean, there might have been a whole, you know, thing with them, a huge falling out or, you know, something like that where where there was a, you know, leave here and never come back type thing. But, yeah, I don't get the feeling that that was what happened. Yeah. Um, but maybe, you know, I don't know that that was a little piece of the puzzle that they definitely left out of the movie. I'm also familiar with the musical Grey Gardens and (laughs) that's, yes, there is. And the first, so the, it's split into two acts and the first act is when the state is in its heyday and they're having parties and they're getting ready. She's a big getting ready for her husband to come into town and she's getting all the, her, her relations, um, little Jackie Kennedy is there as a, as a child, just like she is in the movie. And then the second act is Grey Gardens, as we know it through the documentary. And the actress who plays Big Edie in the first act plays Little Edie in the second act. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And in on Broadway, it was Christina Ebersol. And she won a oh. Tony for the part. But in the, um, in the musical, George Gould Strong is like the... Like he's the piano player, the gay piano pianist, uh, mm-hmm. has a more important role in Act One. Uh, he's not re- he's in it in the movie, but then he just leaves. You never really hear about him later. But in the musical, they reference that he uh, killed himself in a hotel or something. He he did not have a good life. And mm-hmm. Little Edie was going to marry Kennedy, Joseph P. Kennedy. But he finds so out. She actually was. Yeah, they were they were like engaged to be married, but he finds out that as a young girl in East Hampton that she was a little flirty. That they reference in the song that she was like uh, coming out of a swimming pool or something, and her top fell off. But then, rather than being ashamed, she like proudly walked naked past all the men, saying, "You know, I, I'm not embarrassed. I, I am who I am." And and then he was in the musicals like well that just is indicative of some uh, underlying like like sluttery <laughs> not, a, not not a word sluttery <laughs> uh, but you you must be loose and I can't be seen because I want to be uh, in politics so we have to break it off and that was the thing that like sent her kind of reeling not the married man like in the movie so I don't know which is more historically accurate I'm just putting that out there as that was kind of a well, a piece, the, of, a piece ar- of it. The article I read indicated that uh, they didn't know whether there was a um, that they think that she only met uh, Kennedy uh, Joseph Kennedy Jr. once, and that there w- wasn't really a a relationship there. Um, but they there were a lot of there was a lot of unanswered questions about what was real and what wasn't real in her life. Um, but there had been a um, a diary that they had taken some information from um, the Krug, the Krug, uh, the the guy who um, in this movie was the catalyst for all that. The m- married man um, was apparently from her diary, um, but they aren't even totally sure whether what the deal was with him. And there's it, it apparently it's kind of hard to pin everything down with her. So there's no clear reason why she just stopped going out and just decided to stay home with her mom? Well, I mean, they 
it's it sounds like there was definitely a married man involved whether it was krug or not they're not sure um but what caused it i didn't they didn't say in the article you know that there was some definitive thing that caused her to uh it's probably a combination of things yeah probably it's i mean she's she seemed fairly delusional so that you know could have been been one of the things right there it's uh uh, another thing that the movie leaves out is Jerry, J- Jerry Tor. Uh, this is from an article. He was 16 in the summer of 1974 when he ran away from home and found employment as the gardener on oil billionaire J. Paul Getty's East Hampton estate. That same year, the young man, little Edie Beale called the Marble Fawn, stumbled across <laughs> Grey Gardens and into pop culture history when he visits the decaying man, when his visits to the decaying mansion were captured uh, in the 1975 documentary. Uh, this, this kid, Jerry, he's in the, the musical, he's like, he just brings them like groceries and stuff. Like he brings them corn. And in the movie you see, uh, Big Eddie in bed, like eating corn, but you never see Jerry bring her the corn. He's in the musical. He's in the documentary. He's also in the, uh, the parody, uh, film. Uh, that's the one where Fred Armisen and, uh, Bill Hader play Big Eddie and Little Eddie. He's, uh, what was that? Portrayed in that. (laughs) What? What was that exactly? Where'd that come from? Um, did you watch any of it? A, a little bit. Uh, I think it's a maybe a Sundance Channel original sun, uh, documentary. Now you might be able to find it on Netflix. Hmm. But uh, just a parody of documentaries, and they they do a really accurate job uh, capturing those two characters, those yeah. women. They portray them really well. And basically, at the end of end of it, um, they kill the two film like, filmmakers. They killed Jerry, they killed Jerry and they killed the two filmmakers. The um the J Paul Getty <laughs> thing that was another thing that they mentioned in the um Sorry, it's worth it just to hear um Fred Armisen go pit a pat a pit a pat a pit a pat. Mother, why don't you sing pit a pat a for for the boys? Pit a pat a pit a pat a. It's just my heart. What does it matter? Dreams are dreamt and then they shatter. Peter Panda, Peter Panda. Isn't that lovely? You know, she made a record, but father wouldn't pay to have it pressed. We handed it to him and he looked at it and he, and he feigned interest. And then he just stepped back, he hauled off and chucked it on the roof. And it was winter, and so it took us what? Till spring? Till the spring. For the snow to, to fall. To retrieve it. It was awful. And this is our only coffee. So mean. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, in the article I read, the J. Paul Getty thing also came up. They, they aren't totally sure what the relationship was there, but there was some. She had apparently indicated some. Um, some relationship with J. Paul Getty. So that's, but you get the feeling that nobody really knows what to believe and what not to believe about, about her life. She says a lot of stuff. Who's like, yeah. A uh, little lady. Oh, well, if she's mentally ill, she can't keep it all straight. Anyway, is she mentally ill? There's like, a, there's a tinge of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like it at the end, how, how long she was, you know, how long that was a problem, whether that was something that was always there or whether whether it was, you know, something that developed over the years, especially in the living in the situation she was living in. Who knows? I 
scanned uh, Harold's feedback, and I'm, this is a good point in time to actually read it. So I'm going to have Mel read it. I'm going to paste it into Skype. All right. Harold says, I'm not a big fan of the documentary Grey Gardens. I get the sense that the people who love it do so because they think that seeing the two Edies living in their fantasy worlds is some sort of celebration of nonconformity. But I see it as a depiction of mental illness and I feel uncomfortable with it. Maybe it is the attorney in me, but in my field, when I suspect that someone is incapable of making decisions for themselves, there are steps that I have to go through to try to try and get that person help. I am not allowed to take advantage of them, say, for example, getting them to give me permission to tell their life story. And it feels like that is what the Maisels did with their documentary. And the ethics of making a feature celebrating them doesn't seem tremendously different to me. I remember an old Mad Magazine joke that went something like this. What is the difference between someone who is an eccentric and someone who is mentally ill? The answer is that an eccentric has money. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think this is illustrated best by Big Edie. So long as there was money for servants to take care of her in the house, she was able to get by living her eccentric life. Once the money was gone, she was unable to maintain herself or the house, let alone make proper decisions. I think the HBO movie did a good job of opening up the story to show what life was like when Grey Gardens was kept up. When the music played and the bows, the bows, the Mm. booze, booze flowed, it gave us some explanation of why Big Edie clung to her raveries of days long past. And you get a sense from the way that little Edie carried on in New York that her own mental health issues were going to follow her no matter where she went. I give high marks to Drew Barrymore, Jessica Lange, and the makeup people because they really looked and acted just like the Edies did in the documentary. On the other hand, they made a good decision to tone down the look of the Maisels. Their actual 70s hair would have been way too distracting. (laughs) (laughs) So I give this a mixed review. Great performances and a good choice to portray more moments that were not in the documentary. On the other hand, I don't think it sufficiently dealt with the issue of mental illness, and the story was a bit slow in plotting at times. Six and a half cats peeing on Big Edie's portrait. (laughs) (laughs) Those actors who play the documentarians have something in common, and that they both uh, appeared in episodes of Millennium. Huh. Oh wow! Okay. Well, yeah, one of them kind of looked familiar. I was like, he looks like Jack, or not Jack Nicholson. He looks like uh, Hugh Jackman uh, a little bit. Jack. Wow. The guy with the yeah, the hair. <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> the hair. David. I'm with the hair. I guess. Yeah. David. Yeah. The dude with the hair. I did wonder particularly at the end when she's at the premiere, which I couldn't remember if she ended up going or to or not, but the, the filmmakers, they're, they're smiling and very happy, like showing this thing to them. And what is their story? Like what to, to me, the fascinating thing about the documentary is that it's a, it's about like these two women there and their fall from grace and how now they live in squalor for, from the penthouse to the poorhouse, it which doesn't portray them in the flattering light. And all their delusions and whatnot. And yet they invite her to the premiere and they sit with her as though she's normal and everything's normal. And that's unsettling. And I don't know what they're, what they're thinking. Yeah. Cause it, there's a disconnect there. What did you, what did you guys think? Yeah. I really wondered what the documentary was like. I, I haven't seen it. And when I was watch, when I watched all of that, um, part of me really was wondering just how exploitative it was because it sure did seem like it probably was mostly just an exploitation of these two women. 
What was like? There was some sort of reference to a previous documentary that they tried to make. Mm, um, because they said the Mazels are back, and then there's something about some other project they were working on. Oh, that they said that uh, Jackie didn't want to take. I decided not to take part, like she would ever take part in this. Oh, um, but that they wanted to do it without her, and oh. so I guess it was one of those things where they had been trying to get um jackie kennedy to to take part or or whatever and um i i can't imagine that jackie kennedy would have ever ever even considered taking part in a project like that Mm. so did she only come check on them because they were bad for her image or she genuinely care you think probably a little bit of both i imagine (laughs) yeah yeah, I would imagine some both. I mean, when she said, like, I wasn't aware of this, like, well, I I feel like I have a tendency to believe her because, I don't know, like, as a, as a first lady, you would be so busy, you know? I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea what's going on with my cousins most. <laughs> you yeah, know. exactly. Like, it's admittedly, hard admittedly, I did not have a relationship with them because we grew up far apart. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, and these folks are mainline and all of that. And they do have a tendency to, you know, keep track of what's going on, you know, amongst, you know, people, but, uh, the people that count, um, but yeah, she might very well have had no idea that she might have heard. I bet you she heard. Oh, they're live like oh, like they're not. You know, they're not keeping up with the house. But she may not have realized how bad it right. was. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or what yeah. She meant. Yeah. Or for instance, oh, you know, they've basically that they're kind of they've kind of gone over the edge, and they're not. You know we don't get in touch with them anymore because they're a little, you know, not, and, you know, blah, 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 and kind of written them off without realizing, like, the family may not have been keeping track of what was going on with them because, well, you know, it's like, well, we aren't, they don't seem like kind of relatives that you would necessarily want to have over to dinner all the time or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Kooky, might. Make your dinner party way more interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, and since the you know the mother, it looked like the mother hadn't gone out of the house in decades. Yeah. Um, you know. And talking about delusion, when she when she was saying, "Oh, you know, you know, if you ever need a place to stay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jackie, just uh, pull up a cot in there. Yeah, really. probably buried somewhere. Just on that pile of cats. So did the, did the pile they, of rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> did they get raccoons back in the house after the house was cleaned? Because like, wasn't there raccoons in the very beginning of the movie? And that was after the house was already cleaned, wasn't it? Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the the house looked a lot better. Um, after it had, after Jackie had put, yeah, according, according to the. Uh, the article I read, apparently she put $36,000 into oh. cleaning up the house and renovating it and so mm. forth. She and it looks great it. now. Here's a link to what it looks like. Ooh. Uh, lots of interior shots. Beautiful home. Cool. At least, is it a museum now? No. 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 Oh, no it, what, owned, it was bought by 
It um, was bought by an unknown person uh, just this past December, and they're doing some renovation and so forth to it. Uh, we were just talking about that. Um, it must have good those, bones, as they say. Those pictures are from before the uh, the renovation. It was built in 1897. Um, those pictures are before this latest renovation, I think. Yeah. And wow. I there guess, was, what are they going to renovate? Because it's beautiful. There was a story. I saw a, pic, a recent picture. They had taken the front porch off, and they had um, lifted up the house, and they're going to build a basement underneath it. And they and a lot of the people in the area are very worried, and a lot of people who are big fans of Grey Gardens and stuff are very worried. And the people have assured them that the house is going to be put back where it was, and um, that it will. That oh, they took the chimneys out. Hard to and believe. That is the same house. And they, yeah, and they've said that the chimneys, the the original bricks will be used again. So who knows what's going to happen? Hmm. But uh, yeah, that was the the one article I read about um, what's going on with it right now. But it it just got the um, the Ben Bra- Ben Bradley bought it um, from Little Edie after her mother had died, with the provision that uh, they would not destroy the house and um and they renovated it they put apparently they bought it for like two hundred thousand dollars and they renov put another six hundred thousand into renovating it and uh and ben bradley's um widow sold it that was back in they bought it back in the the 80s i guess and they sold it for 15 million wow um this past december so they made a profit. Yeah, yeah, they made a profit. Mm. So, or she made a profit. So going back to Harold's email, he really feels that these women are mentally ill and mm. is not comfortable with how they perhaps downplay it in the movie and play up the eccentricity angle and not the mental I, illness angle. I definitely got the feeling they were mentally ill. I did not think that that was downplayed at all, but... Maybe compared to the documentary, it is. I don't know. I didn't see that, but I agree with I agree with Harold on a lot of what he was saying. Um, they definitely seem mentally ill. That whole idea of eccentricity. There is eccentricity without money, but there is a very fine line. Um, only because I again, oh, I've known a lot of eccentric people, and and where that line has been where you're dealing with someone who's always been eccentric and it's like, okay, when did that change? And when did that slip over? Because there's very often a, a moment when it, and maybe not a moment, but there's a point when you realize that, okay, it's, you know, it's changed now. It's not, it's not eccentric anymore. There's something very wrong. Isn't this a treat? I haven't been out to the beach in absolutely forever. The only reason Mother is letting me out is because of you two fellas. I think my days at Grey Gardens are limited. I don't want to be here. I can't stand a country house in the first place. It makes me terribly nervous. I'm scared to death of doors, locks, people roaming around in the background, under the trees and in the bushes. I'm absolutely terrified. Not a bit terrified in the city. Not a bit. Any little rat's nest in New York, 
any little mouse hole, any little rat hole, even on 10th Avenue, I would like better. This was really hard for me to watch, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it, for me, I, I have a very hard time watching any of these stories where um, people's lives are kind of destroyed by other people, especially uh, family members who are selfish. <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt about Big Edie and Little Edie. Like, I know Little Edie had plenty of opportunities to get her life together, but... Um, mm-hmm. But then who would take care of her mother? She had to come well, home to take care of her mother. And she's like, no, I never asked you to do that. And she's well, what? but you did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> you yeah, did. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. She, I mean, that... She guilted her into was, it. Yeah, that These was women, clear. they they knew what buttons to push. And did they ever push them? My cat's in here now. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> and your cat has a lot to say about this, I'm your sure. Cat what's up. Your cat knows what's up. He wasn't comfortable with the portrayal of the cats in the movie. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's some like, of cats don't live like the most cats don't live like this. <laughs> this is true. Aww. Aww. It's very true. Um, yeah, I I have a tough time with 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 shows like that and uh, with you know stories like that. It's just one of those those things, especially right now with uh, everything going on in the world. Um, it, this was tough for me to watch. Yeah, on a lot of levels. And there were a lot of times when I really, really wanted to just turn it mm-hmm. off and and watch something else. <laughs> but I was good and watched the whole thing. So good for you. <laughs> yes, because I am a a loyal Hoople cast member. Mm-hmm. But you know, in the end, you're staunch. Still, <laughs> but they staunch. Still, they were still doing like like. I mean, like little Edie got to kind of live her dream in a way. In the end, she got she got to go out in the world and do things that she was always dreaming of. It just happened later, you know. And her mother got what she wanted. She wanted to be home. She got what she wanted, you know. So I mean, even if it's you know, for as us from outside or the outside, you know, we know that it's like we see it and we're like that's not healthy. But at the same time. That is what made Big Edie happy was to stay at home. So I don't know, like, yeah, where do you draw the line? How do you keep this person happy without okay. living I in was, squalor? I, I was let's, thinking, let's, yeah, go was, on. Uh, I was. It's, it's hard. It's the same hard thing, to yeah. deal with situations like that. Extremely. Yeah, because you I, don't you don't want to make the person that's like a Big Edie. You don't want to tear them away from something that they love. You don't want to, you know. On the other hand, yeah. let's look at this as as a parent. As a child as well. As who a has parent. an elderly parent. Right, which yeah. Lord knows. Mm. Um, as a parent, though, is this really what one would want for their child? To say, okay, I am going to... <laughs> I would, I would rather you... I would rather you um, not have any of your dreams until you are in your what 70s or 60s or whatever it was um so that you can take care of me so that i can have the thing that i want which is to stay in this house i mean is that really what as a parent that you know should be happening you know well, a lot of, well you already said have- that she was selfish 
A lot of people yeah. have children because they don't want to be alone when they get old. It's not, it's purely like, it's selfish. They don't, it's not because they want their child to grow up to be a productive member of society. That's what they expect their child to do. They expect their child to be a productive member of society by taking care of their parent. And that is a traditional reason that people had children, admittedly. It's, but, it's uh, a common reason, and I don't think it's a good reason. Well, that means, but I think I don't think it's not like I think it's kind of a, a normal feeling to worry about your future and worry about what's going to happen to me when I get old. Am I going to be lonely? Well, I better have a kid so that I'm not lonely. Well, um, you know? I mean, it used to that used to be the way that um, that was social security. You had a bunch of kids, <laughs> and you hoped that they could support you in your old age. I mean, that was that was exactly what was supposed to happen, and that's why, you know, grandparents and great-grandparents lived with the kids and, and yeah. all of that, and they took care of the kids, you know, the grandchildren while the parents, you know, did whatever and, and so forth and so on. But, um, but things have changed. <laughs> you know? I, would, I would debate that. There's still some people that do this. Yeah. Oh, Everybody. I agree. Mm. I agree. Yeah, there so, are people who do this. Yeah. And there's people that are like, you know, you can't. And there's there's parents who do that to their children and children who do that to their parents. Yes. Mm hmm. Yeah. So. And um, yeah. And it's it's a uh, it's, it's a, a really, really hard balance to try and come up with. Yeah. Um, mm. I I have a tendency to be in the camp of I want my my child to, you know, live their own life and, and yeah. you know, all of that. And well, Carol, that means that you're healthy. <laughs> you're healthy. <laughs> if you want what's best for your child. That's a very, that's, you know, that's, that's a very unselfish thing for a parent to want their child to do something for themselves and not for their parent, you know? Well, like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Big Edie wanted that, but only for her sons. No! Well, that's the other thing, too, is the women versus men thing. Like, if you don't, if as a woman, if you don't get married, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, you know, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Mm. Well, what does that do to you as a person? Edith, you'll never get a man to propose to you if you don't have a debut. And if you can't get a man to propose to you, well, you just, you might as well be dead. If you don't get married, how on earth? Do you plan to take care of yourself? You know I want to be an actress and a dancer. Once you married father, he made you give up your singing. I won't let that happen to me. I still sing, and I have a perfectly marvelous marriage. When are you going to learn, Edie? You can have your cake and eat it too in this life. No, you can't, Mother Darling. Edie, find a man who will give you a long leash. Get married, <laughs> and then you can do whatever you want. Yeah, w- women were, you know, of as as her father put it, your type of woman. Well, let's um, talk about her father. Uh, he yeah. divorced his wife, Big Edie. They is that? I was yeah. that. It happened so quick, but, so quickly. Like he you hear her, in real life, he divorced her much earlier than mm. this because because here I wrote down the dates. Hang on a second. They started back. They started. In 1936, but according to the article I read, he actually divorced her in 1931. 
Well, in the movie, there's just like a quick line. I think it comes from Gould where he says something about your husband's wife. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Your what? Yeah, your like, husband's uh, new wife. Oh, I yeah. see. Mm-hmm. What, did he say new wife? Husband's yeah. new wife? I thought he just said your husband's wife. Anyway, it was confused. Oh, maybe. Confusing. But, if, and, but now, I, you know, I, then I quickly understand like, oh, he, he divorced her. I mean, yeah, I, I got that. And then apparently didn't yeah. leave her enough to sustain her at her previous uh, level of decadence yeah level of <laughs> to the, st- the lifestyle in which you'd become accustomed um yeah. well not become accustomed i mean she was she was born to it she was a bouvier and there was when she talks about a bouvier trust mm-hmm. there you know there was uh she had money from her father but there like in one in one of the articles i read they there was an accusation by I guess it was by Little Edie. It might have been by Big Edie. I don't know. There was some accusation made that that the um, the person that was the executor of the Bouvier estate was um, like either Jacqueline's father or um, something like that, and that he had made it a point to make sure that his kids were taken care of and was able to you know cheat basically cheat um, Big Edie out of some of her inheritance or most of her inheritance from her father. Mm-hmm. Whether that's true or not is a whole nother thing, whether it was just an accusation because Big Edie didn't understand, you know, how much or how little, you know, money there was. Um, but, you know, I mean, there was all of these women were trained to and trained to marry well. That was the whole point, including Jacqueline Kennedy. Well, you ha- and you have to be debuted too. Got to debut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, not, that's so weird. Where, Carol, were weird. you? Did you debut? <laughs> I am not part of this whole thing. Mel, no. did you debut? <laughs> how did you ever? How did you ever? I I have been to a debut though, and it was an interesting experience. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> very interesting experience. Um, yeah, I mean, I've known a bunch of rich people, but uh, no. <laughs> Have not been one, unfortunately. I not imagine debuting. I would, yeah, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, oh boy, that was a that's a lot of pressure. Ta-da! Especially, somebody buy me, please. Especially exactly. at an awkward, awkward age. Like you're a teenager. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the most awkward age for a person. Yeah. And yeah. you have to make your grand entrance and look perfect. Ta-da! Would anyone like to own me? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. like you're putting yourself on the market. It's weird. I'm a surprise. Yeah, it wasn't just like putting it. It was exactly putting yourself on the market with like no. Oh, well, weird. it was your parents putting you on the market. Let's That's you know. Weird. So what's weirder, it, or more disturbing, that or girls who sign like virginity pledges to their fathers? No, no, they're both weird. Yeah, it's it's. I'm getting uh, married to my father until what? I until I until I marry a real uh. man. Uh, have you not seen no. those wedding? Have you not seen the wedding photos of my, of girls and their yes, fathers? It's so no, weird. you're kidding me! No, no. Oh, I'm so grossed out right now. Yeah, it's weird. Uh-huh. Oh God, no. Oh, that's yeah, horrible. Because he owns her until she <laughs> finds finds a a man to to own her. I also I'm hate sorry. the guys. I, I hate what the guys year that. Are we yeah, I know. I hate the guys that wear the t-shirts that say like, you know, if you if you my daughter's not allowed to date until never or like, you know, like it's like what are you what are you doing? Like what do you expect 
I mean, like, I don't I, know. Like, I, what kind of a pervert yeah. are you where you you think that men are so terrible that they don't even deserve to look at your daughter? Like, what? <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, I get it that a lot of that is joking around and stuff. Well, some people are serious. Um, but yeah, I know. It's it's <laughs> it's scary and yeah. what, I had not heard of this thing that you just told me. So I'm a, uh, a little yeah. bit Yeah, it's called I'm a just, purity. I'm, I'm, I had heard about a purity pledge, yeah, but I it's hadn't a purity heard anything. Ball. Here you go. Links a coming in the links coming to Skype. <laughs> you really they had to call it a purity ball mm-hmm. of all things. Make sure you go through the oh, gallery. Geez, the irony. Oh no. Oh no! I've seen this actually. Yes, I remember yes. reading about this. Yeah. Oh, it is the way that they hold them. It's so disturbing. I mean, there's a lot of disturbing stuff that goes on in in you various yeah, that's uh, that, that, fundamentalist religious groups and such. Um, after all, well, we're not going there, but um, I don't know quite know how we got onto this topic. No thanks. No, thanks. I don't. Oh, because they had to have a coming out. out. Ah, yes. Read that right, guys. <sighs> yep. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The um, but yeah, they they did. They would have this that coming out, and it literally was to say, okay, you know, I'm on the market now. I'm I'm up for for grabs. You can, you know, rich men have at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can you can now um, vie for. Who wants My, to support? Yeah. Who wants to support this lovely woman's uh, spending habits? Go. <laughs> <laughs> who would Who would like um, to merge our our fortunes? I will give yeah. you children with the right, you know, lineage, and uh, and I will make your um, and I'll know all the right things to say and people to do things with, et cetera, et cetera, and. Yeah. Uh, and we can merge our fortunes. Hmm. Yeah, it it's pretty. It, and that was what was done for a very long time. Is the only I'm re- oh, sorry. No, go gonna, on. I was going to say, is the only reason we know about these people is because they're related to Jackie Kennedy? I think that's part. Pretty of much, it. yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're the black sheep of the family. Yeah. Because she I mean, had the perfect life, except for all the terrible things that happened to her. Who, Jackie Kennedy? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, well, she, you know, she did what she was supposed to do. You know, she she married a millionaire, and then, and then she was a rebel herself by marrying a foreign billionaire. So, um, shame on her. One of my mm-hmm. notes is, this house is like if the family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre had money. I never saw that movie. Well, it's basically a horror show. <laughs> or the family from Resident Evil Seven. <laughs> okay. Oh Lord. The um. Where else but in East Hampton do you have to pay to have your garbage taken away? Well, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you talking about? That's no excuse. Well, I mean, it's uh part of taxes in a lot of places. Yeah. I assume that it's not part of the taxes there. Um, or had they been paying their taxes? I mean, uh, that's a whole other thing. Hmm. Somehow or another, that you know, maybe that's what the sons were doing, paying the taxes, just paying the taxes. Yeah, I don't know. I can imagine the taxes would be quite a bit. Yeah, 
Yeah, one would think. Well, that so. could have been one reason why they wanted them to relocate. Like you can, the, the land is worth a lot, and the, the property costs too much to for the upkeep and the taxes, the property yeah. taxes. So let's get also, you out of here and and get you down to Florida. This is private property, you know. You shouldn't be here. Uh, Miss Beal, I'm the head of the Housing and Sanitation Division of the Suffolk County Health Department, and this is my deputy. Uh, how you do, Miss Beal? We've received several complaints. From whom? Mostly from people downwind of you. The community's concerned with the state of your property, starting with this automobile in the yard here. Look, things just tend to accumulate after Labor Day. What can I tell you? Right. Well, we also understand that you may have no heat, no running water, and your home is no longer fit for human or even animal habitation. Who put you up to this? Was it my rotten brothers? We need to inspect your home for possible health code violations. Have you got a search warrant? Uh, well, no. Well, Mother and I appreciate your concern, but you really shouldn't have come. If this place isn't thoroughly cleaned up, we'll have no choice but to take legal action to force you and your mother to vacate. What do you mean the trust has run out? Completely? Oh, buddy, how? No, no, Florida! We have been clients of P.C. Sheck and Sons for over 50 years. Does that not count for anything at all? Huh. Well, yes, but when you have a reversal of fortune, sir, what do you hope will happen to you? Hello? Hello? Oh. Edie called the grocer. I'm starving. Mother, they've cut us off. Well, can you get the heating guy back? It's getting cold. He won't come. We owe him $947. Go to bed with him if you have to. Winter's just around the corner. Also at that time, um, one of the things that was happening in the... Well, I'm not sure when that meeting took place, but by the 70s, which was much later, because probably that meeting took place like in the 50s or something, I guess, right? When they were trying to get them out of there? I don't know. But um, I know later on, a lot of the big homes were in big trouble because of heating costs. Because once the price of oil started going up, um, heating those big houses became a huge issue. And you start hearing a lot about uh, families giving up um, big ancestral homes because they just couldn't heat them anymore. Um, so that was another thing, another reason to move to Florida. Yeah. Hmm. Did you think it was a good idea to insert like the, the later years at the beginning of the movie and kind of like show the documentary and filmmakers and, and so forth at the beginning, or would it have been better to start and just go chronologically, you know, I don't mind, I didn't uh, mind jumping around. No, hmm. I didn't mind the jumping around, but I must admit it for me, it gave me a feeling of doom all the way through the movie, which I don't know whether I would have had such an oppressive feeling going through the movie if I didn't already know that this is where they were going to end up. 
Well, if you didn't know where they were going to end up, because you're not familiar with the documentary or these women, it would be more impactful, I think, to to wait and show the conditions they live in, like like see it happening mm. or a really big jump from from A to B. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I didn't. I really didn't know what this was about. Um, I did not was obviously not paying attention during that period. I had other things on my mind. I was I was a thinking human being while this while the end part of this was happening. Um, but I don't I don't remember it at all. Um, never been much of a celebrity follower, uh, so I really didn't know. And as I say, the having the picture knowing where it was going it just was like okay you know this girl is doomed mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean that's that's kind of how i was looking at it and you could see you know you could see why from the beginning you know you yeah. kind of knew what was going to happen in one way or another so in a way i think i for me it probably would have been better not to have it start out with the with everything being so awful um mm-hmm. but um I don't know. I don't know. When you asked before whether they were basically famous just because of Jacqueline Kennedy, um, I think they might have been famous because if it if they weren't the aunt and first cousin of Jacqueline Kennedy, uh, just because they were rich people with this house in this incredibly expensive, um, incredibly exclusive section of um section of the country where i mean south hampton is just uh all their neighbors and everything else would have been extremely wealthy people mm-hmm. but it took it up a few notches that that they were such close relatives of jacqueline bouvier kennedy onassis <laughs> you had to add those extra names. <laughs> well, that that's, that is how she was known, and, yeah. and I don't know. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm, you know, I'm not sure that. I mean, she was such a presence. I mean, she was like in the news and and everything. She and the family style icon. did. Oh, a, a style icon from the moment that. Uh, Jack Kennedy was elected and then between the assassination and her raising the two children kind of in the public eye and then having the audacity to marry Onassis because she was she was the the widow of the slain president and she was a you know a symbol of of America and all this stuff and then she she went and married this this foreign billionaire who you know she'd had this handsome dashing husband who was you know Camelot for you know yeah. White House and all of this stuff and and her brother-in-laws were you know set to be presidents and and were murdered and all of this and here she was marrying this man who was not terribly attractive but had tons of money and and was a foreigner and forsaking her country and all of this stuff. And then I we mean, find out that she's got huge. relatives who, who live in, exactly. in poverty. Uh, exactly. Who, and and we, we like her more now, even more now, because she's just like us. She's got problems, too. Mm, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, I mean, we 
it was it was an embarrassment for her. There's no two ways about it. That's it had to be. But uh, mm. but she was, you know, yes. These there's definitely no. I think it humbles. So I think it kind of humbles level. her even more. Kind of like you but can't, I mean, you can't as as, yeah. escape certain certain things. Despite your 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 wealth and your influence and your style, there are always these like dark tinges to to every person. Yeah, and, and I think that's just part had, of the fascination that people have with the documentaries. Yeah, but and the thing is that because she was such an icon, yes, the fact that they were in the situation they were and they were as far gone as they were and all of that would definitely make this a whole lot bigger story and a whole lot bigger movie and everything than if they hadn't been related to to her. But the fact that they were in the place they were in and from the families that they were from would have made it a story, just not as huge. That, 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 that cat is going to the bathroom right in the back of your portrait, Ann Edith. It is a, a little, uh, not much of a cleaner. She's, uh, she doesn't like to polish and do things like that. Why don't we all go sit out in the walled garden? It's such a beautiful day. You've always had such gorgeous hair. What brings you to East Hampton, Jacqueline? I needed to get away, so I decided to stay with Lee and Montauk for a few days. Oh, Lee's in Montauk? Mm-hmm. I've got a niece in Montauk, and I didn't know. She's staying at Andy Warhol's place. My sister's fallen in with a bit of a film crowd. She's got a mind set on making a, a movie about our childhoods out here in East Hampton. Well, if you ever need a place to stay, chicken, if you need to get away from it all, the door's always open. Oh, God, these chairs. Are they dirty, these chairs? We can sit on paper. Huh. Edie, are you all right? Is it true that Jack Kennedy gave you gonorrhea? Edie! I'm terribly sorry, Jackie. Do you remember Jack's brother, Joe Kennedy Jr.? No, Edie, he died in the war years before I even met Jack. When he died, I cried. I really did. Joe was an extraordinarily beautiful young man. I was really taken by him. Yes, too bad he wasn't taken by you. He certainly was. <laughs> it's no secret they were grooming him to be president before they ever started looking to Jack. He was a superb dancer. He really was. But it was his manners I remember most. Well, you know what I'll always remember? Summers here in East Hampton with Annie Edie singing and you taking me down to the beach. I was the golden girl. You certainly were. Edie, get us some pate, won't you? You know, if Joe hadn't gone down in the war, then I certainly would have married him, and then I'd Edie, have been... Edie, don't! Just get us some pate or ice cream or something. I'd have become first lady and not you. Yes, Jacqueline. It could have been me. I wish it had been you, Edie. I really do. Did you guys hear this, by the way? What? The eating? Yeah. It's not <laughs> I didn't know you were eating. It's I didn't not hear. eating. It's, it's drinking. Drinking. Oh, okay. drinking? It's bull it looks, or drinking? 
it it seemed like it was something to do with the lips and tongue and and digestion of some sort. I see. So it's your cats. It, yeah, he's, we he's... we got water for ourselves, and then if you look away for a second, he starts drinking it. Oh. <laughs> and it's right in front of the microphone. Out of so. your out of your glass. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, so no. you have to be very careful that you don't drink cat water. Oh. <laughs> no. We always have to tell people to watch their water when we have people over. <laughs> I I had my my cat was much more polite than that. But <laughs> but what I had to tell people for parties and stuff is don't put anything on the floor. You know, don't put your glass of wine or something on the floor. Yeah, because one of the things I found out about her was she did not like milk or anything. Mm-hmm. But if you mixed vodka and Kahlua with milk, what she really liked it a lot. Ah! <laughs> I found I found this out when I had a a very nice white Russian that I had made myself, and I was oh. put it on my bedside table, and I was oh. reading, and I suddenly hear. And I looked over and she had her nose in my glass and she was just having a grand time. And I was like, oh, okay. After that, I found out she also enjoyed wine. She enjoyed mixed drinks. She enjoyed wow. pretty much anything you put alcohol in. So, and we had a deal. Um, we came to an understanding that she was not allowed to take anything that was on the table. but once I put down on the floor, it was hers. So if you have a party, sometimes you have people sitting on the floor, they put their drink down next to them, et cetera, et cetera. It was like, no, you cannot do that. And do not assume just because it's wine that the cat will not want it because she will. <laughs> and, uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she, she seemed, she never got drunk, but, uh, then again, I never, I tried to never let her in, indulge. It's just mm-hmm. occasionally somebody would forget. And after all, it was wine. The cat isn't going to want wine. Yeah, <laughs> she she really will. That's funny. Uh, yeah. Mm. What a weirdo. So in this, ar- going back to this article that eccentric. I found. On- she was eccentric. I'm sorry. She was eccentric. <laughs> sorry. Go on. Yeah, going back to this article I found on, on Queerty, a uh, commenter by the name of Martha says, after five years in Manhattan trying to find true love and stardom, Edie spent approximately ages 30 to 60 with her mother in that house. They shut out the world and with little funds for trash removal and home improvements, well, you can imagine. Uh, luckily, Cousin Jackie had married a Greek tycoon and helped them clean up the house. The Maisels came along and filmed them. They paid them 5000 each, but never shared in the profits as they promised. They claimed that there were none. There is a happy ending. Little Edie sold the house and had two decades of life on her own, aged 60 to 80, traveling to various cities and enjoying her life in Florida and swimming daily. I think that's great. I, if I that is great. true, Martha, and I hope it is true, and that you're not just some liar on the internet, Martha, uh, that is a that's that's a happy ending then. But um, didn't you... I read I read about her that she did a few shows too in, in cabaret, Ve- yeah, cabaret shows in Vegas, and that they were critically panned and they hid the reviews from her because they didn't want her to see that you know mm. she was not that great. <laughs> uh, who was not that? But great? she did what she was. I that thought, was I, great. I, Right, she got to live her dream, which is nice. Yeah, I thought it was at uh, the nightclub in Manhattan, downtown. Oh, whatever. Manhattan. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, yeah. she got a cabaret yeah. either way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it yes, it is a comparatively happy ending. Yeah, it's but just, it's just still nice. sixty years of her life. You yeah. know. Oh, for it's, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all very nice to say. Oh, yeah, she had from sixty to eighty. 
and she got to travel for, you know, and then she died in her house in Florida and, you know, people found her eventually, but, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> Some of these comments are insane. <laughs> oh, no. BK Top says, OMG, what is so fascinating about these two messy, self-important people? Life was good, then they fucked it up. Why do we care again? Because she was related to Jackie O? Give me a break. Why is it okay to glamorize and make excuses for their delusions? I've heard so many people say they were wonderful people or had gorgeous souls. Really? They seem like delusional bitches to me. Oh my god! <laughs> I agreed with most of what he said <laughs> until it got hostile at the end. Jesus. Uh, speaking, of host- speaking of hostile, Scumshine writes... <laughs> well, with a name like that, you know it's not going to go well. I'm, dis- I'm disgusted with HBO, Drew Barrymore, and anyone who had anything to do with this travesty. I wish there was a way to unwatch things. They stole everything. Direct Maisel's brother shots were used. Direct lines were ripped off like lip sync. Drew Barrymore and Little Edie drag ruining it for everyone. Couldn't these morons even come up with their own dialogue? How could they make this happen? This is not an homage. It is a necessary vanity brought to it is finest point. Why remake Grey Gardens? That is essentially what this HBO ripoff is. No new information is shared. Albert and David Maisel's masterpiece original reduced to a mediocre ego stroke of a movie. Drew, you petulant little vampire, you need a good talking to. Oh, oh my god. god. Oh my god. Jeez. It, the lack of empathy in this world is just amazing. Mm. I mean, I'm not overly thrilled with these women, but uh, come on. It's, you know, they are I, a product of their upbringing and everything else. I mean, you know, and as far as the why? Why are they going to make up dialogue? I, I no, I don't know. I think that that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Reenacting the documentary is kind of like the point of the thing. Parts of the documentary, but yeah. but not the whole doc. Obviously, right. I can't imagine that the documentary has footage of little Edie when she's uh, seventeen or whatever her age was. Yeah. Yes. By the way, I was just going through a, a little article on Big Edie, and um, her husband was 14 years older than she was. Well, that's not surprising. Yeah, that kind of, and was one of her um, father's future law partners. Mm. So mm. she, uh, so that kind of also explains some of the, the problem between them as far as um, him wanting things to be much more serious than uh yeah. she david al it's an artistic smash <laughs> thank you thank you Edie. well and it's not it's not finished yet that is only one one hundredth of what it'll look and, and sound like when when we're done well i'll have to call up every one of my relatives and tell them i'll never speak to them again if they don't go to see it Edie, have you seen whiskers where's that kitty that's mother's new favorite cat. Ears like a Russian boar. She just loves him and he disappeared. Now, David, this film is very advanced. Just like the way that the new wave changed cinema. Mm-hmm. Although I never did get out to see the new wave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, abroad. They're going to love it in Europe. <laughs> Do you think you can make it to the premiere? We could really use you there. No, no, no. I don't think so. That's not for me, not my kind of thing. Oh, but I wish you all the luck in the world. 
you were going to see you at the premiere, right? We're going to paint the towel red together. If you don't win 90 prizes for this movie, I'll be very surprised. Thank you. Goodbye, Al. Goodbye, Edie. Goodbye, David. Goodbye, Edie. anyone has anything like really uh essential to say we could rate rate this mm. rate it and sum up your thoughts i just thought it was okay um a, a, a little bit unnecessary like both this movie re, like telling the same story that the documentary told kind of and the original documentary to begin with was also, I think, unnecessary. Um, it's just, no, I'll let you. Yeah. No, and uh, I will give it five out of ten cans piled in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead, Mel, since you had thoughts. Yeah, no, I just, I don't know. It's, it, is, it is kind of voyeuristic, I guess, when you consider it. But it is an interesting glimpse into their lives. You know, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Huh? <laughs> I, I, I can kind of see both sides with this and that's why I, I it's, I think it's going to be hard to rate it based on that. Um, I did find, like I said, I did find that it was much less, they're much less annoying in this <laughs> retelling than they are in the actual documentary. Um, Maybe in the actual documentary they were so annoying because they felt it was because because it was more real, you know, it was yeah. way more real, <laughs> you know. Um, and Carol, I think you would have probably had an even harder time watching the actual documentary. Oh yeah, I um, wouldn't be at all surprised. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah, it's much harder to watch. Um, but that being said, yeah, I still found it interesting. The performances were good. Um. I would give it a seven out of ten. Uh, oh, moldy wall, moldy <laughs> carpets. I don't know. <laughs> moldy piece of carpets. Yeah. <laughs> um. By the way, I uh, in this other article that I was scanning through, I and it's apparently the dates are are different for this divorce thing in this article. They said that he left. The father left in 1934, which is still before this takes, you know, this starts, and moved to his hunting lodge. Yeah. He later divorced her in 1946 by telegram from Mexico. Yeah. Little, little Edie referred to it as a fake Mexican divorce because it was not recognized by the Catholic Church. I had seen that earlier in another article. Okay. Um, yeah. Edith received child support but no form of alimony. Wow. Uh, kept Grey Gardens as part of the settlement. Mm. And... Um, Unable to support herself, her father would have to contribute upwards of $3,500 a year to assist her. Oh. And then, yeah, she had a dramatic falling out with her father in 1942 after the wedding of her son, um, Bovier. She arrived to the nuptials 25 minutes late, dressed like an opera star. Bovier, Bouvier? Bovier, no, Bovier uh, Beale. Bovier Beale. Beale. 
but his name Edith, was Bouvier. Edith so confusing. Edith's son. She had two sons. Yeah. The, the two boys were. Yes. That's what I was actually looking for. What their deal was, and one of them was named Bouvier, and the other one was named something else. I I've, I've lost it. Um, because her husband was Philan. P H E L A N Beal. Yeah. Philan. Yeah. Philan. Oh, and, and so it was Philan Junior was the elder boy, I assume, and then Bouvier was the second. Um, people do the junior thing. So, mm-hmm. so like you're so progressive, Matt. It's so like self-important. I'm I'm so great. I need someone named after me. <laughs> They're just lazy. My- <laughs> I can't think of another name. What name should we call him? Uh, well, I don't hate my name. We'll call him that junior. <laughs> I must I live really, on. <laughs> I really love myself. So, <laughs> well, considering they referred to Edie Senior and Edie Junior, well, yeah. I mean, it like must they... be a way to what pass along their their name and their whole like when you when you marry this person, you're you're getting all the attributes of them: their name, I their know. fortune, their history. I mean, it, it, in some cases, it was like tradition and that kind of stuff. I mean, the British would do a, the eldest son got the mother's maiden name as their middle name and the father's first name as their first name. So, you know, it would have been like this kid would have been Phelan Bouvier Beale would have mm-hmm. been, mm-hmm. you know, if it was a British way of doing it. But it's also my, a way of telling the oldest son you value him more than the second born son when you give him the junior. <laughs> Yeah, right. Make sure my you parent, know, middle son, you are not as important. Or second son. My mother used to tell a story that uh, she jokingly, when they were trying to figure out a name for my brother, she jokingly suggested to my dad that, well, we could name him after you. We could make him a junior. And my dad, it was the only time she heard my dad say anything against his first name. But he was like, no child of mine is going to have a name like Elmer. <laughs> that was the end of that. It was like, yeah. Good, good on you, Dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Someone's anyway. going to break the cycle. Exactly. The cycle <laughs> of abuse. Yes. He dealt with his first name, but, you know, it was not something he was ever going to to inflict upon his child. No. But, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I appreciated the performances. I thought the performances were very good. I... Um, did not enjoy the movie. I um, I did feel like it dragged, even though making it exciting would not have been the best choice either. I'm not quite sure what you could have done with this story. I don't think I would have liked it, no matter what. Um, so, but it was well done. Um, I'm going to go with 6.5 out of 10 delusional kitty cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what you're saying about it dragging. It, there was a point midway through, and I like this movie, but midway through, I was like, well, maybe I'm going to pause it and go on YouTube and watch reaction videos of the leftovers <laughs> instead. <laughs> so that's what I did for an hour, and then I went back to it. And I do like the, I like this movie. I'm, I'm going to rate it quite high. Um, but I think I like it more from the subject matter than the actual movie itself though i like the performances and the sets and the music uh because at one point i was like god this this is so like rachel portman-esque this music and 
she ended up actually she did write do the music for the movie and i maybe i knew that somewhere like deep in the recesses of my brain but i was like this feels so much like rachel bortman music and it and it was so i'm just giving myself a little credit there um i'm just i like i'm fascinated by american aristocracy because it's so alien to me so whenever we get a glimpse into that world it's just something that gilmore girls used to do very very well is and it, um, if you've never seen Gilmore Girls, Rory uh, lives with her single mother uh, and is brought kind of against her mother's will into her grandparents' kind of well-to-do mm-hmm. arist- aristocracy kind of sphere. And in fact, there's even an episode where um, she's going to be debuted. Rory is right against right. Her mo- kind of against her what her mother because her mother hated it and rebelled against it, but her her daughters like. Grandma is into it, so I'll just do it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm like I've just, that whole kind of New England aristocracy. Like it's just it's fascinating to me. And then this story has that kind of like Miss Havisham element to it of the woman who never like got started and then got stuck where she was and then let everything around her decay. But in her head, she still feels like she was back in the past. So it's like it's got this like hauntedness to it. And kind of horror film vibe going on, which is it just fascinates me. Um, which is why I'm going to give it a eight point seven five. Sure, sure, sugar cake, cake, cakes. <laughs> oh, right. It also has like my favorite line in any TV, TV movie anywhere, uh, where little lady says, "Is it true? Is it true that Jack Kennedy gave you gonorrhea?" <laughs> <laughs> Love it. The quote I had written down was. Find a man who will give you a long leash, get married, and then do whatever you want. <laughs> you still need that leash, though. Yeah, that was the interesting, you know, one of the interesting things, because it was just, uh, you still had to have that leash. You just took that for granted. Mm-hmm. Well, next time on Hooplecast, we'll be covering, uh, we'll be back to back to normal, back to our normal format, talking about the Pacific and the pilot uh, for True Blood. I can't remember which comes which chronologically, but those are the two programs we're covering. The cool. Pacific is that another World War Two? Yeah. Thing? Okay. Spiritual successor right. to Band of Brothers. I hope it's not a. Is, I don't. Well, rem- I I don't remember very much about it. It didn't hook me like a Band of Brothers did. So I don't believe I watched past the first two episodes when it was on. I'm sure it's oh. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's fine too. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's fine too. It's an interesting combination that we're going to be doing. Oh yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Uh, and All as right. always, you can find us, uh, hooplecast.com. Go into Facebook, search for hooplecast. You can find the discussion group where we post a lot of things, a lot of TV related things. We talk about Deadwood because we were originally a Deadwood podcast. Somehow we became this, uh, and send us feedback as always, uh, hooplecast at gmail.com. Cool. All right. That's it. All righty. Yay. Mm-hmm. Here it comes. Bye, y'all. Fuck you. There it is. Fuck you. (laughs) Dramatic pause. T for two. Two for two. I couldn't believe she didn't know the words. I couldn't believe she didn't know the words after all those years. We don't have it known. We own our telephone. When she, Jessica Lang's on that bed and she's like uh, playing with her hair, brushing her hair, and and is just like detached from reality, it's like <laughs> Je- Jessica Lang. She's just chewing all the fucking scenery down. It's amazing. What, what you don't what you don't know is that I'm wearing tights over my pants right now. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, it, it functions as a cape. It does. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that one was priceless. Uh, you know, and you could take it off and use it as a cape. And Mother like, wanted oh. me to come out in a kimono. We had quite a fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Matt. <laughs> the I accent sounds fun to do. I know. <laughs> The accent sounds fun to do. No, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you were starting to get into Forrest Gump there for a I, second. I can do it last night. Can't do it now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great, though. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my. It's, yeah, I just... Uh, it's people. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. Okay. So no uh, Grey Gardens cosplay for you? Hmm. <laughs> for me no <laughs> no we're not gonna give, put put give a little flag uh you can wave around and uh... <laughs> you know i didn't know what that was when you posted on july 4th uh-huh it was just like okay this is weird um you know it's july 4th stuff i guess and i had no idea what it was and so when it started and it was like oh of course this is part of what we're supposed to be watching no wonder I, I should have picked up on that. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was good. Pitta patta, pitta patta. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, bye, bye. guys. Out of here, Matt. <laughs> of course, I'm mad about animals, but raccoons and cats become a little bit boring. I mean, for too long a time. I don't know. I don't know. I. I better check on Mother and the cats. She's a lot of fun. I hope she doesn't die. I'd hate to spend another winter here, though. Oh, God, another winter. Blossom to blossom, 
my buzz like a bee Then glance in the mirror And who do I see? A middle-aged woman In her me Because it's winter In a Another winter in a summertime.